Hey everyone, welcome to The Swish. Now today is going to be a different kind of episode. I am introducing Swish Dimes. These are going to be short, probably 5 to 10, maybe 15 minute uh, audios that will be displayed only on Spotify. And this will be covering relevant news, uh, breaking news, uh, game recaps, anything that's happened in the past day or two regarding the NBA playoffs and later on down the road NBA draft offseason and NBA regular season. I want to give out a huge shout out and credit to fantasy basketball player in our league, Sebastian Malia. He's the one that gave me the idea for Swish Dime. So props to him and also credit and help and thanks to my other um, friends there at the basketball Swish League, uh, Richard Andalon, Atole, and the other guys there, and our Swish, our new Swish producer or Swish consultant or Swish lawyer, whatever you want to call it, uh, Dave Gutierrez, who's going to be helping me out with these short videos, short audios, because these will be only displayed in the Spotify. So I want to talk real quick. I'm going to try to always have these short uh, Spotify uh, Swish dimes down to about 10 minutes or so, just to talk quick recaps. Now, I want to talk about last night's game because that's the number one thing on everyone's mind. And first, right off the bat, I'm going to say this. The Brooklyn Nets are likely done. Yes, I know history has gone to prove uh, differently when uh, the Milwaukee Bucks were up 2-0 and then they lost. I mean, sorry, the other way around when the Phoenix Suns were up 2-0 in the NBA Finals and then Milwaukee comes back with four straight games. When the Brooklyn Nets were up in the second round of the Eastern Conference semifinals over the Bucks, and the Bucks came back to force basically Game Seven, and uh, it's just gone on to history repeat itself that in any situation when a team is down to old doesn't necessarily mean that it's a done series, but in this case it just looks like the Nets don't have the energy, the willpower, and the capacity to stop. Boston's offense and defense. Uh, Boston, credit to them this season. They have been a phenomenal team after starting 19 and 30-some, something like that. Uh, They had a rough start to the season, and they bounced back. Their defense is incredible. They ended up as a number two seed for a reason. Marcus Smart is the defensive player of the year. Even though I don't agree with that, but... He got recognition. He has the award, so credit to him. He's been great also. But let me tell you a little bit about this game. Since KD stepped on the line at the end of regulation in Game 7 of the last year's playoffs, he's been 13 of 47 from the field in the playoffs. That's 27%. He's also on a four-game losing streak. That's according to Nick Wright off of his Twitter feed and off of First Things First. They also give a quick comparison of how game two ended up with Kyrie and KD going up against Brown and Tatum. So the comparison is is just on blast, basically dissing the, the net duel of their horrible performance. Yes, KD had 27 points, so you can't really f- give too much blame to him. But at the end of the day, he just missed a lot of shots down the stretch. It was ridiculous. He, I'll give you a quick... A recap of how it went for him. KD shot 4 of 17 last night in the Nets loss and 0 of 10 in the second half. A career worst. He's now minus 23 in his 84 minutes of the series and is 13 of 41 from the field 
with 12, with 12 turnovers. KD is KD. I mean, no one can deny that. But he's played 41 minutes per game. Steve Nash is running them down to the ground. In part because they did need to secure at least a playoff spot. Or in this case, they secured the play-in scenario. So I kind of understand that. But the whole rotation. I mean, Steve Nash's coaching abilities have been questioned uh, at best. Because it's been an awful, an awful, awful decision-making Leaving, say, Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge on the bench, uh, not knowing when to give your star players their much-needed rest. So as much as you could say KD is KD, he's played 41 minutes per game over this last 11 games. And he's honestly up against one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, probably second best in the East, because we all know Miami got that number one seed for a reason. So they're in trouble. I'm going to say that right now. KD with Tatum as his primary defender this series has eight points. He's two of 13 from the field. It's the 15%. He's 0 of three for three-pointers, zero assist, and the most concerning is seven turnovers. Tatum has blocked his jumper twice and has committed only one shooting foul. Chris Broussard mentioned in First Things First that the physicality of this series is what's getting the... the this would bring the nets down. This is what's causing KD to basically shut down or just shoot a lot of bricks. But that cannot be an excuse. It will not be an excuse. The, the nets are a super team in the eyes of many. And you cannot fault that. And you cannot say, oh, it's just because of that. That's why KD's not used to it. That's why KD's used to getting his calls. Hey, this is the NBA. And as much as people like to say this is a soft league these days, you cannot blame it on the physicality because you know what? Everyone's happy that the refs are letting them play. So that shouldn't be an issue and that shouldn't even be a primary reason for concern. So coming back to the fourth quarter comparison between uh, the, the duel of the Boston Celtics, which is uh, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, and the duel of the Brooklyn Nets, which is uh, KD and Kyrie. So in the fourth quarter... Combined, this is a combined stat. J uh, Brown and Tatum go on to have 17 points in game two. They go on to have a field goal of six of nine and three points, three of five in the fourth quarter down when it's crunch time. That's, that's solid. I mean, it's not all-star numbers or superstar numbers, but as a combined duel, forcing down that defense and just relying on closing out this game with a win, that's solid. Now on the other spectrum, you have Kyrie and KD combined eight points, one of nine from the field goal, and zero of one from three point. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's, it's unexplainable. Truth be told, this is the Nets' fault. I personally just don't see them that locked in anymore. I personally think Kyrie has been a distraction. We all knew that. Uh, not a distraction. Uh, let me repeat that. I think Kyrie is distracted. I think basketball and the NBA playoffs are not his primary concern at all. He's not focused. He's not going all out. He had a great first game performance combined with heckling from the Boston Celtics fans and throwing out that middle finger and just just a hostile environment but I mean at the end of the day he I could say he brought it on he brought it up on himself KD went horrible he just shut down in the first game he had a better second game 
stats-wise, he had 27 points. But if you think about it, that doesn't matter down the stretch when you really see that they completely lost a 10-point a ten point lead and they just couldn't make anything to save their lives in the last four to five minutes. Yes, KD finished with 27 points, four rebounds, five assists, one steal, but he had 42 minutes of play. Kyrie, on the other hand, had a great first game, but last, last night finished with 10 points, one assist, eight rebounds. Rebounds were solid on his end, but he also had 40 minutes of play. It's like when it comes down to the line, KD and Kyrie do not, or I, I, mean, I don't want to say they can't, but they do not want to trust their teammates and they do not want to work as a team effort to try to force some turnovers and try to draw plays. It always seems at the end of the day, it always comes down to ISO plays and it always comes down to either KD looking for that last shot or Kyrie looking for that last shot. That is simply not going to work out. So now they go back to game three in Brooklyn. Look, I'm not saying it's, a, I'm not saying it's going to be a sweep. I'm not saying that, um, I don't know, I'm not saying that it can't turn into an exciting matchup or the Nets don't have an opportunity to come back. But the way we've seen just a body movement, how we've seen KD and Kyrie, they both have to be on and they have to have a little effort from their collective role players to actually get a win because Boston's defense is locking down. Game three is the 23rd, which today we're recording Thursday, April 21st, 9 a.m. So the 23rd is on Saturday. So game three is on Saturday in Brooklyn and game four is on Monday in Brooklyn. So let's see what happens there. But my honest prediction is I do not see these Nets coming back from this. They, they beat Boston last year in the first round. I don't think they have it in them this year. There's just a lot of issues going on with them. Even if Simmons comes back, which everyone's like, oh, Simmons is going to come back. He's a savior. He, it's going to be a difference maker. He hasn't played in a year, folks. He hasn't. That's, that's the God honest truth. Yes, he's a basketball player, but he had mental issues and he shut down also and he couldn't play. What makes you think after a year, a year and a half, he's going to come back and be the same old Ben Simmons? It's honestly, in my opinion, it's not plausible. Okay, moving on real quick. We, we covered this game and I just want to cover two uh, other important news or breaking news that's going on in the league and those are the injuries. Yeah, uh, today in the morning, I'm a huge fan of First Things First. They were talking about the Milwaukee Bucks and basically saying, hey, look, Middleton is down. He had uh, an MCL tear. I don't know how serious it is. He's going to be reevaluated. But there is a possibility of him missing a couple of games. Honestly, this is a huge concern. They were saying on First Things First that even without Middleton, the Bucks with Giannis is a great, great team. And they could probably surpass the Chicago Bulls first round. Maybe that's possible. But I think if Middleton is out indefinitely, that's it. DeMar DeRozan played phenomenal yesterday, 41 points. He came back from a horrendous first game. So he's locked in. And if the Bulls give him enough fight in them to barely squeeze out uh, or for the Bucks to barely squeeze out a, a round one victory, they're going to be exhausted for round two. And without Middleton, it's going to be tough. Let me give you some stats here. Middleton had a similar injury this year, and he missed quite a amount of games. So they went 3-5 and five in October, November of 2021. Then they went 1-2 and two in December. And, and then this past um, March, 
this last month, they went two and two. So it wasn't that bad. But overall, they have a six and nine record. It's not good. If Middleton is out, this is a cause for concern. The Bucks aren't guaranteed that they could get past these Bucks. I mean, get past these Bulls, which honestly, the Bulls are hanging in there. Despite Lonzo being out and despite Caruso coming back defensively and DeRozan having on and off games, he basically solidified that he won't have a horrible game again. And he proved it last night. And the issue is, I honestly do not think the Bucks, with Middleton missing the rest of the first round, is even going to be a lock for them to pass this round. DeMar DeRozan, 41, 7, and 4 yesterday on 44 minutes. And Zach Levine finished with 23 and 1. Giannis could only do so much if they do squeeze by the first round over the Bulls without a healthy Chris Middleton. Then second round is just going to cause a lot of issues for them. And uh, if the second round ends up being either the Boston Celtics or the Brooklyn Nets, that is, that is going to be way, way harder for them without their second leading scorer, Chris Middleton. He was a 25-5 and guy during the regular season. They need that kind of support. They need that kind of help. The other injury that I want to talk about, Devin Booker, he went out with a hamstring issue. He had that issue in the regular season, missed a couple of games. He has been ruled out game three and four, so it's going to be an issue for him. I think the Suns as a collective group are a great, great team. They're number one for a reason, and I honestly think they can squeeze past the first round over these Pelicans, even though the Pelicans have been playing great. CJ and Ingram are great, great players. I honestly do think the Suns have it in them to cover this series without Booker. If he ends up missing more games, then that's going to be a question mark for the future. That's it for for now, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Swish Dimes. This is going to be a new segment. It's going to be 10 to 15 minutes uh, in between our regular episodes with scheduled guests. So I hope you all enjoyed and thank you for thank you for catching us.